Let's have some fun, fellas. Wade, you ready? I am. Perfect. Ty, you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm whistleless, but let's go. All right. <laughs> time out. Tyler, who are we taking a time out with today? Hey, Kevin, good to see you, brother. And uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, people up in the 585, people down here in the DFW, we have Wade Norwood, the CEO of Common Ground Health. And uh, Mr. Wade Norwood, thank you so much for being on the show, Time Out with Leaders. And uh, we're going to start out by asking you, what's on Wade Norwood's playlist right now? Right now, I am really in California love. Uh, the Super Bowl halftime show just took me back down memory lane, and I've been cranking the best of West Side <laughs> versus East Coast uh, 90s music. Ooh. Well, all right. Well, this is going to get really interesting then. This is going to be yes. a great conversation because I too had that same, I could not believe that I hadn't heard some of those songs since that time in some cases. And uh, when 50 Cent came on, my, my head just exploded. I just couldn't believe that he was still around, still in existence and performing. I was just blown away. It was unbelievable. So, it's all, all right, still well, D-R-E. Yeah, yeah great look, man. He looked younger than before. I don't know how he went up, what, what his secret is, but oh, man, I, I want to get on that regiment, whatever he's doing. <laughs> Talking about food, right? Talking about the, the soul food here in Rochester and beyond. Tyler talks about it quite often with me about fried okra down in, uh, down in his parts. But uh, we're listening to, uh, to, to Dre and, and Tupac and Biggie. Where are you taking Tyler and I out while we're listening to this great music for some a bite to eat here in Rochester, Wade? In that cafe. Love it. All right. He had that so succinct and so ready. All right. Perfect. <laughs> I like that. What, what dish are you recommending that Tyler and I would get? Uh, it, it's my favorite place to go for breakfast, and it's the summer sausage. Spiced uh, beef summer sausage. It just brings the feeling of being back down south every morning. Wait, are you from the south? My family roots are outside of uh, Waycross, Georgia. So, yeah, I consider myself to still be a Georgia boy. <laughs> All right. Loving those buttered biscuits and whatnot. Wait, where, where do you get this energy from, Mr. Norwood? Like, do you wake up like this? Do you have best practices to wake up like this every day? I, I, I will say without being too much of a downer, um, I, I, I have uh, had the incredible joy of having to experience the loss of two of my children. And uh, it, it, the pregnancy was such a challenging pregnancy that there was a real question as to whether or not my wife uh, would be able to survive. And I determined uh, with the dear Lord in heaven and that if we made it through those dark days that I would always remember perspective, no matter how bad things are, Nothing is as bad as what I've gone through. So I wake up every day just in joy and in peace that my wife is still with me, that my two surviving kids are wonderful. And that's enough to just make me happy every day and committed to finding where is their hurt and what can I do today to alleviate that hurt. 
Yeah, man. Unbelievable. One, I'm sorry. That's for, amazing. For Golly. Yeah, but that, I mean, that story, that message is, it, it sounds like you, you value each day, you know, and it, it, you're not counting the days, you're making the days count, as Muhammad Ali said um, famously. Uh, and I love that. And, and I think that's just, a lot of people are trying to find their purpose right now, Wade. And, and I guess um, it's probably been a journey for you. Can you kind of walk us through how you have held all these types of different various leadership positions throughout Rochester and, and, and the great community here in the 5A5? But where did you start that journey? Where did it all start for you? I, I, I think it really starts in my faith community um, by having grown up mm, in a church that was really focused on how do we show love and how do we make the world a better place? Mm. Uh, so that is just what my family's training has always been. And so I entered the world knowing I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to serve. I was incredibly blessed uh, in uh, 1983. Uh, to have been introduced to Assemblyman Dave Gant. The late Assemblyman was an incredible leader, teacher, and mentor. Uh, and I have been incredibly blessed to be surrounded by great friends for all of my adult life uh, who have simply never been shy about allowing me to understand opportunities to make a difference. Uh, ways in which I can be of service. Uh, and uh, with the own, uh, 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 my own direct experience uh, that we just talked about, um, it just is, I appreciate the fact that you accept that this was not a story to depress, but rather a story to really share who I am and why the boundless energy and optimism uh, 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 permeates through everything I do because today is the chance to make a better tomorrow. Love. Wait, I had to know where you got the energy from, man. Like, you know, I can care less <laughs> about really what you do for a living. And Kevin and I talk about this all the time. I, I care about how you're feeling, you know, and, and how do you feel like that? You know, because, because I probably want to add to my repertoire of feeling like Wade, you know, and I, I think the more and more people we surround each other, other with, with this energy, Something special happens to, to me, at least. I feel a sense of, if you want to call it God, you know, when, when, when I feel that in my chest without, you know, thinking so much with my dang brain, dude. If I could, like, detach my head before I walk <laughs> out the door most days, I would be so good, guys. But, uh, wait, before I, I, I go off on a, a tangent about myself here, um, can you kind of dive in on, on what com common ground health is? Uh, because just for those who don't know, can you kind of, just knock this one out of the park right over the green monster? <laughs> Absolutely. Common Ground Health is the regional health planning entity for the nine-county Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. We're independent 501c3. Our board of directors really represents all of the community that goes into delivering health care, hospitals, insurers, uh, public sector, private sector, all of those stakeholders are represented on our board. And we see it as our mission to bring focus to the region's health issues through our research data analytics 
through our community engagement and through the partnerships that we participate and in which we enjoy. Wow. Wow. No, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and one of the one of the key focuses I wanted to go back to what you said previously, Wade, was um, your optimistic view in leadership and, and, and just that drive and that commitment to, to find out where pain is and where you can provide value to enable somebody else's success. Very similar personal mission statement to myself. Um, but I wanted to talk about it's not easy to always be optimistic and positive. Um, there's probably been some, some tough decisions that you've had to make throughout these, these positions of power that you've had or, or leadership roles. How do you keep yourself optimistic and positive? Um, because it's very easy and probably requires less energy to be pessimistic and, and negative. Um, how do you find that or rejuvenate that each and every day? I really appreciate the question, Kevin, and I have tried to be honest in my public conversations over the last two, two and a half years, because it has been challenging since the world went sideways in May of 2020, as we have watched the international picture become far more challenging and global warfare, uh, uh, as we think about what's happening in our own country very difficult to sustain optimism when the facts are as grim as they are. And very much this is exactly the conversation that Frederick Douglass was having 150 years ago, saying that yes, indeed, the facts are grim. But he said to this particular graduating class of students, he says, my hopes have never been brighter than before. Wow. And he said to those young people, and that hope is bright because of you. I get my energy renewed and particularly in these tough times where we've been socially distant, we've all had to learn how to use these new technologies to communicate. I'm a hugger and I have got to be the most hug starved man of the universe. Uh, but I tell you, I just continue to come across young people who are doing phenomenal things who are living free of the isms and the cleavages that we use to easily divide ourselves and young people who are incredibly comfortable talking about the struggles that they've had to endure and talking about how they got over and how they got through. And I tell you, man, that just absolutely re-energizes me. It absolutely gives me all the determination I need to say, we're going to do what the Athenian oath bound those folks in Athens to do. We're going to give this community to our children, not only not less, but better and more beautiful than it was given to us. Mm. Mm. I love um, to give this community to our children. And I think that's just a, a way to frame it in your, in your mind. And I'm a big intention drives attention person uh, because it, it tells us um, where our energy, where our focus is. And, and, and I just love that piece of what you said, give this community to our children better than what we found it. Um, it's, that's, that's a powerful, powerful message, Wade. Thank you. Yeah, Wade, you're making my day better than it was before I jumped on here, buddy. I know that, man. 
You know, I, I like let's let's count the little ones, right? Like my, my rest of the day is gonna be with Wade Norwood energy, man. If I have to say anything about it, and I just want to, you know, thank I'm loving you. your brother Tyler. Oh man, I love you, brother Wade Norwood. This is awesome, man. I, I feel so. I used to get nervous on these things, Kevin, and 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 when people like Wade, dude, it's just like let's bring it, man. So what, Wade? When in the heck did you know that you'd be a CEO? <laughs> <laughs> probably two weeks before it actually happened <laughs> two weeks before i was asked then i thought it was <laughs> no, two weeks before i said yes um i i, I have always been I, my career has been being a great number two to incredible leaders um and it had been my career at common ground health prior to the summer of 2018 uh, to be a principal support to the CEO. Uh, and uh, the board just asked, uh, instead of them having to go do a search, if I would be willing to move from number two to number one, uh, my misgivings are I am not that bright a guy, um, <laughs> but I am really blessed to be surrounded by really super colleagues who are smarter than I, and I can rely on their advice as they rely on my leadership um, to help them do their job uh, even better than before. Uh, and they proved their mettle through this pandemic. Uh, we were called to serve in ways we'd never been asked to do before uh, and did so admirably, um, so much so that we can proudly point to the data to demonstrate that we were able to get far more equitable vaccine distribution uh, across the color line, across the class line uh, than we had achieved heretofore. An incredible community effort. Um, and in many ways, I still struggle each morning with that title uh, because I am incredibly happy to say each morning I do the same thing I've done since I entered into public life back in 1984. Um, I just help people navigate through the systems of this community uh, so that we can make positive change occur on behalf of the folks who are our neighbors here. Such, such a powerful comment that you just shared was the struggle with the title every day. And, and I think that that reservation or, um, I don't know, rebirth, right? You became, you were Scotty Pippen, comfortable with being Scotty, you know, in the background, still, still working the magic, still an integral part to the success, but here you were tapped on the shoulder to say, Hey, Scotty, your name's now Michael, right? Uh, so it's awesome to really see kind of that evolution that you had, but really, it sounds like your ego is in check, and, and we're starting to hear about trauma-informed leadership, uh, emotionally intelligent leadership. Frankly, as I shared with my father the other day, these are all new buzzwords and keywords to make it sound like it's something new and different. However, that was always the truth. That was always there. Um, but due to the changes in supply and demand, um, fortunately or unfortunately, the mass unionization of everybody else is demanding better leadership. Um, so I, I guess kind of a, a twofold question potentially is how understanding that you're optimistic, right? And, and very energetic. And, and, and I think you, it sounds like you're leading with love. Um, how do you keep that in check to, to continue to keep your ego in check, but also that 
safe, trusting environment in which you trust others to do the job in which you hired them for. And I loved how you put it. They can rely on me for their leadership. I need to rely on them for their advice. I, that's a great question. And I guess I'd say three things. First of all, that I am incredibly blessed to be married to the incredible Lisa Hardy Norwood. And uh, my wife does a great job every moment she can of reminding me of my uh, mortality, my failings <laughs> and my limits. Uh, so it's hard to have a conflated ego, an inflated ego uh, when you are blessed to have a friend uh, as I do in Lisa. Um, secondly, I think that the, the greatest challenge that I think leaders, uh, and I use that term as broadly as it should be used, I think that the biggest challenge for leaders is overcoming fear. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and fear erodes the positive, the optimistic, uh, the beneficent view of things. And uh, I, I just hold on to having gone through as many difficult things as I've had to experience, um, both professionally and personally, um, there's not a lot left to be scared of. Mm -hmm. um, and so courage uh, and bravery uh, really are important elements of helping us maintain a sense of positive, uh, 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 optimistic view of the fact pattern. Mm -hmm. And then thirdly, I'd say on the heels of that, um, it, it, it's that old hymn, Amazing Grace, through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. Mm -hmm. That which brought us safe this far, is the very same thing that will help lead us home. Mm -hmm. And that is engaging in community, mm -hmm. in collaboration, and understanding what I don't know someone else might know. Mm -hmm. What I lack the ability to do, someone else might have the ability to do. And so I think that as we overcome fear and as we engage more robustly with each other, and as we rely on our history. Um, I have a, a, an elder in my church whose lifespan, she's approaching 95. And she wow. said, you know, I remember living through World War II. Yeah. And I know how frightening it was. But we persevered. Yeah. And we won. Um, I think it's reminding ourselves of the fact that we have already overcome. Yeah. And the folks who led those victories in our lives were no different than us. They were just as flawed as we are. They were just as confused as we sometimes are. They were just as uh, 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 challenged as we are. But yet, because they weren't superheroes, they weren't demigods, they were just the same as we, subject to the same passions that we have but yet they worked, they did their part. And that's what I'm hopeful that our work will continue to do is provide ways for everybody to do their part and to light the candle in their corner uh, and brighten that corner where they are. 
But it sounds like a lot of this is rooted in pure gratitude, right? And it's wisdom that you've gained through these learned experiences, both personally and professionally, but then shared experiences with others that you surround yourself with. And I, I always say, if you're hanging out with five idiots, you're going to make the sixth. Um, and picking and choosing about who you choose to surround yourself with is always really important. Um, but the challenge that I see, and Tyler and I jokingly talk about quite frequently, is that that, that piece, pace of faith, right? God, right? Or, or the belief in a greater being. Um, that some leaders uh, definitely are churchgoers, but they are probably the same people that that clip your ankles right after the mask gets out, you know, uh, getting out of the parking lot. They, they did their hour, you know, peace and be, and I'm good for a week, you know, until the next time. But how have you found that way to appropriately bring your faith and your belief in a greater power to your position in leadership um, to maybe establish the, the trusted bonds necessary but allow you to, to, to formulate these types of connections necessary to achieve some of those great results, like you mentioned, breaking down that vaccine barrier uh, across race and across uh, poverty lines, so on and so forth. How did you do that? Or how do you continue to do that? And I'll preface by saying one of my mantras over the course of the last couple of years has been that we're all too busy for idle flattery or for false modesty. So I, I, I say that to say I am incredibly impressed by this timeout because of the fact that we're taking a timeout to talk about the things that are really important in life. And those things, although by all means, organized religion seeks to promote love and purpose and faith, but those things are not relegated only to the church, mosque, synagogue, or temple. Those things are part of the essence of how it is we live with each other. And, and they are essential, in my view, to our being spiritual in our approach, as opposed to our being religious. Mm -hmm. And I think it is simply the commitment that there is no forum where it is inappropriate for us to display the courage to love and the strength to care. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate the fact that you all immediately move this conversation to those things that have meaning and purpose. And I truly believe engaging in such conversations are what connects us to each other. It's what allows us to truly know each other, to be able to share with each other the, the, the slings and arrows of the outrageous fortune to which we've been subject. But that binds us closer to each other. It's what makes us a community. And I am always energized by doing it. I hope to leave others energized by my doing it. And I think that if we were able to share that energy, then we could better harness it and aim it towards the improvement that we seek to accomplish. Wow. Dude, yeah, Wade.
Like, <laughs> yeah, man. I got goosebumps about halfway through that uh, speech there. That was yeah. And thanks for noticing. We don't really care about business or what you really do for a, a living. You know. Thank you. You Eight, just su- you just summed all that up. It's not like we don't care, but I mean, you're nailing on commitment, the courage, and strength to care, and 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 what we're really talking about. That but what really matters, what and driving this energy and. And building an army together, man, is a lot better than doing this alone. You know, I always tell people, Tyler White ain't enough, man. You know, but when, when some people are like, dude, you do this all on your own. I'm like, yeah, right. You know what? I, I have about 15 people I reach out to for help, you know? And and, and Wade, like coming over, over, over fear, overcoming fear, it sounds like there's no shortcut. You know, you keep talking about experiences, you know, because I always used to ask people, well, well, how do you overcome fear? You know, is there like a secret potion to it? No, dude, you kind of got to experience that. And I heard a quote the other day on a movie. It said, you can't kill me if I'm already dead. You know, if I've already been through the experience, you can't hurt me, man. And that's I got little my hair sticking up over here on my arms over here, Wade. And man, I I just I just thank you so much for being honest and taking the time out with this. I wanted to kind of touch on on the word failure real quick. Um, we spoke with Mo Ahmed last a couple of weeks ago, and we brought up, you know, give, give us an, uh, uh, a, uh, an example of when you failed. And, and he said, well, can we stop the word failure real quick and talk about it of a life lesson? So I want, to, I want to be careful with the word failure is what I'm trying to say. Can you give us an example of where you learned from a, a so-called failure in your life, Wade, in business or in life? Oh, I, 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 I always, my friend, I, I would say that uh, leaving government and I left government after a, a defeat in the 2005 city of Rochester mayoral primary. Um, it was an incredible experience that opened the door for me to Justice Frankfurter's not wisdom when he noted in a democracy, the highest office is citizen. (laughs) And by not being an elective office, I had the opportunity to become very aware of all the things I could continue to do to serve my community. Mm -hmm. And I have found that I have ushered in new opportunities, this new life that I live, my new work, my new colleagues, because that outcome was not what I wanted, was not what I expected, but the incredible wisdom of understanding when outcomes are not what we would like, what we call failure, they simply are opening up the future to new possibilities, to new opportunities, and to new ways of achieving and of distinguishing success. And and so I think that you're correct, and the guest was correct to say, if we could just allow young people to understand risk and dare not to do stupid, harmful, dangerous things, but that risk and dare is really about trying out your skill set of meeting new people, 
of experiencing new and different places. What we really be doing is fostering the spirit of entrepreneurialism, which is really essential to this day and age because given the technology, Whoever thought we'd be doing shows like this? <laughs> this is amazing. And if, if, if I can make a career out of just getting uh, the people of this community to collaborate around healthcare, which is so competitive, anything is possible. Everything is possible. And that just takes us back to where we began. Um, the a uh, uh, clear display of energy and enthusiasm comes from the recognition of every day creates new opportunities to do really, really cool things. And it's not failure because you're dusting yourself off for that next day. That day might have not went and is exactly how you planned it or the outcome of what you were looking for. Um, but if you take the opportunity to learn from those experiences and turn them into a positive, like you're saying, um, that's, that's pretty, pretty special things. And, I, and we're talking a lot about the brain, right? And a lot about mental health today and, and these types of items. And, and seeing that you have worked in the government space with several of the, the recent rulings, um, there's a lot of people that feel silent or not heard and not valued, right? Um, from both being a citizen of the United States, but also being an employee of an employer. Um, how do you create ways or those safe spaces, Wade, for your team and your, your frontline employees to openly share how they're feeling, what they're going through in order for you to be able to identify, well, there's a pain and I have a solution for that particular pain. Because it does take an amount of a level of trust to openly share your honest thoughts and allow your team to fail or try, uh, learn from those failures it's, it's not a culture that a lot of organizations that I have met and, and sat down with have presently, but are working towards. Is there anything that you would recommend to leadership today that you have found most valuable, especially today? And I think you touched on it. You're being a little bit more trustful and open with your dialogue. So I think transparency is a great way to rebuild trust. And it sounds like you're finding that out as well. But what other ways can you can you create that safe space to talk about mental health, to talk about some of these personal stressors, not just professional? I, I, I really think it is transparency and it's intentionality. Hmm. Uh, and I will humbly uh, concede it is a continuous effort. Uh, we as an organization understand that our culture Challenged, first of all, by the fact that we work remotely now. Wow. And that really obviates against the easy buttonhole conversation. That's always been a part of how we do business. And so we have to learn and we're having the conversations about what are the tools and what are the forums and what are the forms by which we can address this challenge and shore up this culture of ability to candidly share so as to candidly share and re-energize each other. Mm -hmm. I, I think that another way in which we've been challenged is I am stunned uh, out of my staff of 40 
how many people we have hired in just the two and a half years since the pandemic struck. Um, people who don't know what it is the more veteran colleagues of theirs are missing because all they've known is working in this uh, modality. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's the honest understanding that every time a person enters or departs the team, the team culture changes mm -hmm. because culture is a reflection of the folks. And so, and we're going through this in a period of incredible external drivers mm -hmm. that are having real impacts, not just on the staff, but also impacts on our community. And we have to respond. And I, I would close by saying, I think our greatest tool is the data. Uh, that we're able to bring data points, uh, primary and secondary data, that help collaborative effort to at least describe the nature of the challenge, to provide words that help us socialize the nature of the challenge so that we can then tap into the genius, both of our staff and of our partners in the community, the genius of this community to actually go address those challenges. I'll be quiet, but I do wanna loop back. I think it was going back to Michael Jordan from your earlier uh, reference. I think it was MJ's quote to the effect of, I don't regret the shots that I took and missed. I regret the shots I didn't take. Wow. And I think that what we really have to do is just make sure that we are facing the challenges of this time, steeped in our personal history and our nation's history. And as the song from Hamilton said, making sure that we don't throw away our shots. Wow. Wow. So much I wanted to dive in there. But one of the important pieces that I just wanted to pull out, because I think it is so important, is the use of data, right? Uh, they, people want to use data to, to drive decision-making and improve decision-making. Um, but the missing piece in most of that is the socialization piece, right? How do I socialize data into words that everybody, regardless of reading level, regardless of position, regardless of industry, can understand and get behind? Because really, that's the motivating factor. That's the mission. That's the vision. That's the values that are, are tapping or scratching that purpose um, that a lot of people are seeking right now in their positions. And yes, compensation continues to increase. And yes, people are chasing the dollar. But I think there's more people that chase the dollar before the pandemic that are now realizing that's a short-term strategy for not a long-term solution. And I think a lot of people are going through that gut check to really identify, can I do this the rest of my life? And is this only rewarding for myself? Because if it is, I'm starting to realize that the world is a little bit bigger than just my home. Um, I'll say amen by saying, I think that's why calling what we're experiencing the great resignation is a misnomer. Yeah. I think it's a great rethinking. And I think it's a good thing that people are doing the rethinking of understanding the fragility of life mm -hmm. and finding the right priorities for their happiness and for them to fulfill their purpose. Uh, the second amen is data is good. The socialization is what helps us turn data into information 
-hmm. and to turn information into understanding. Yep. Mm -hmm. And when we have shared understanding, we're really able to power up our efforts of improvement to allow them to go further faster. Well, because then you're tapping into the collective intelligence of your workforce and all their, their, their personal and professional experiences, their wisdom, their mistakes, their failures, their successes. And you're collectively gathering all that intelligence to put forth the best insights and, and drive those precise action that, that, that you mentioned. I, I, I just, I, I love what you shared about the kind of just understanding our history and not shying away from the history, but using that as an example to, to move and, and progress forward, you know, and, and use that more as a foundation. And yes, there might be some cracks in that foundation, but where are those cracks and how do we fill them? And special, special. Ty, what do you got? I can do this all day. With I know, literally, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, shit. Yeah, this is, this is flying. And when you're so you're you're hitting on so many things. You know, I got out of a meeting yesterday with the CEO who brought 20 nonprofits under one roof, and the energy of that place, man, was banging. It was just you know just little stuff, and then he brought the Toyota way as well. And 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 I I, I spoke with the business process analyst a couple of weeks ago. I like to chime this in as. When he worked at Toyota, they celebrated uh, when someone found a mistake. You were celebrated because they put it all in the process and not on the human being because we're all human beings and we do make mistakes. So it's like, and, and you said that the great resignation is great for us. It was awesome for me, man. I'm a, a 1990s guy, so I, have to, I had to grind to feel worthy, you know? And then like taking a big, deep breath, wait, it's like, wait a second. I can do it this way and not beat myself up just to feel, uh, you know, some, some worthiness. Um, I, I just wanted to ask, um, you know, being a CEO, how do you, how do you keep the pulse and check the pulse of your employees over there? Um, you know, in your organization, what, 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 you know, best practices does Wade Norwood have just checking the pulse of everybody and making sure everyone's, you know, staying in tune and, and, and happy. I, I, it is a constant work in progress. And what I try and do is, first of all, rely on great supervisors throughout the organization because they're the ones who are working with their teams on an hourly basis. And they have to feel as if they have the authority and the legitimacy to actually care about and respond to what the needs of the team are. Uh, and as, I, as there is uh, the, the challenge of working remotely, I think that my greatest focus right now is making sure that as the supervisors learn that, that there is a static free channel for them to get that information to their supervisors, my senior leaders, and that there is a culture and a climate that says you don't get in trouble for airing an opinion. You don't get in trouble for disagreeing with the herd and that there is a welcome for that contrary voice. Uh, and I just try and remind folks that because they put up with my idiosyncrasies, mm -hmm. I am really willing to put up with everyone else's because I'm grateful for the fact that people understand I am trying my best every day. And it's okay to do your best and not meet the mark. Mm -hmm. 
because it was your best. What can we do to think about how we re-engineer the work so that all of our best can tap into the best of our partners and we can meet the mark? I think that's the great challenge. Yeah, man. I love that. And and one of the things I just wanted to comment and, and, and kind of lead into to probably the, my final question, at least, is um, I heard you use uh, in, it, like great supervisors uh, and empowering those supervisors, you know, and trusting them that they're going to do, they're going to lead how you would lead. But um, instead of a collection of power, which we tend to see roll up almost in that pyramid where, where there is that ivory tower where that individual is, they're trying to collect as much of that power as possible, whether it's through a process that everything has to go through them or a procedure or policy that everything needs to go through them. But what I'm really hearing you is that you don't want to be the only shepherd and have all the sheep following you. Um, it's more or less, how do I create multiple shepherds during the same time to help maybe direct some of these individuals um, to stop blindly following and feel open and safe to, to share when they see something wrong or they think there's an area to improve and almost entrusting the people closest to the problems to bring you the best solutions, which is, I think, a piece missed by a lot of leaders and a lot of organizations today. And finding that work-life balance, um, the only opportunity to Tyler's point, I too am a 90s baby. I watched my father work himself and continues to work himself, <laughs> right? Uh, the guy I, it was told he could retire two years ago, he's, he's not even thinking about it. It's like, if I got that note, I am going in saying, my two weeks, here you go. I am off into retirement. Total different mentality. And I, and I fought so hard to, to separate work and life because that's the environment that I grew up in. Tyler and I talk about Sometimes in male models, it was uh, uncomfortable to share your emotions, your feelings, cry, tell each other that you love each other. It was just some of these unwritten rules, whether it's business that leaked into our professional lives or our personal lives, excuse me. Um, but I wanted to talk about how you put a value on your time, um, Wade, because I needed to put a value on my time. And I did so during the pandemic to understand what was a priority in both work and life and how I could blend those together more successfully by focusing on the importance of the time and time itself. How do you, I guess, help strike that balance? Because I'm sure it's easy to get gobbled um, up within the business and with all the challenges, but also you have to go home to Lisa, right? At the end of the day. <laughs> so how do you strike that balance? Well, and, and, and uh, that question has become far more challenging and far more important when we are in this hybrid world. And I now spend most of my time working from home. It becomes very easy to just work all the time. Um, it's very easy to have the laptop and the stereo going and just stay in the grind. And I am blessed that my body has been very clear that I am on this side of 50, not on you and Tyler's side. And as a result, and I share very honestly in the community what it's like to live uh, with a hypertension diagnosis in a family of folks who have died of cardiovascular illness, um, what it's like to be diagnosed as someone having 
type uh, one diabetes and uh, late adult onset of type one diabetes brings its own set of issues. And so I have had to learn a different value of time, uh, not how I use it to make things happen, but how am I using time to extend life? Mm. And that really is the core work of the health planning entity that we are, is to really talk about years of potential life loss, about premature death, and what are the things that we can do that would protect that incredible economic entity called our neighbors, and their life and their productivity, how do we support them? It requires me having the same conversation about how do I support Wade? Wow. And how do I take care of Wade's health? And how do I prolong his productive working years? And so with that newfound imperative, mm -hmm and the desire to forestall when my children have to attend my funeral. I, I said to my daughter the other day, I really am no longer just here to make sure I dance with her at her 40th birthday. I wanna dance at her daughter's 40th birthday. Mm -hmm. And so I am investing more time in making sure that I am caring for myself. Yeah. Um, it's the job I can't delegate to others. And I am finding more time for reading and for writing, wow. which are the two things that bring me the greatest joy um, in addition to my genealogical research. Uh, and so I think it's really important for us. And I appreciate the testimony you just offered because I think it's a real tribute to the women of my age cohort, mm -hmm. who as moms have done a real great job of teaching their sons mm -hmm. how to leave behind the BS of what the image of masculinity is and really promoting within our society a sense of what humanity is. Mm -hmm. Love and that. how do we express and share humanity? And you guys have done a fantastic job of it this afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate this time out. This was, was incredible. And I just want to say thank you so much for being an incredible guest and, and sharing. I think at that last point, uh, if I could just summarize is it's really hard to prioritize ourselves sometimes, um, especially when you're leaning on that faith and the spiritual belief, you know, where it is take from the rich and give to the poor, you know, it is, it is that mentality that you're last and others are first. And I have that. Um, so it was a real struggle for myself. And it sounds like for you to prioritize that Kevin needs to be healthy first and foremost, in order to do all these other things and to try to drive and make this positive change or difference. Because if I'm, I'm not on my A game, Tyler's not on his A game, you're not on your A game. We're only fractionally making the world better where we we're, we're only scratching really the surface there. Um, I loved the, today's conversation, Wade, uh, to Tyler's earlier point. We, we could probably sit here and talk to you all day. Um, I, I cannot wait to continue to grow our relationship together and, and, and learn from you and this wisdom and these expertise that you bring. Um, but I just feel really lucky to have somebody like you in Rochester um, with such a good heart um, and really pushing 
for the community to get it better because that was something, a sticking point that still hurts me a little bit. We have all this great success from a business perspective and yes, that's all well and good, but graduations rates are terrible. The, the overall health, um, the violence, I mean, that really tells me the holistic health of our community really isn't there yet, um, but it takes an army. Um, and the army that you're choosing to, to, to put together um, that looks like our community, I think is one of the best ways to do it and get things done. So thank you so much, Wade, for, for saying yes to being a part of the show, but also all the amazing work that you're doing here in Rochester and beyond. Thank you very much. I deeply appreciate it. And uh, to both you and Tyler, thanks for this conversation. It's been wonderful. Dude, it was a pleasure, Wade. I'm just over here hum humming in my head, la di da di da It's another <laughs> freaking D-R-E. You know, ever since you brought that up, man, I'm going to go back to the Chronico one, dude. I'm having a blast, and I'm going to have even a better day since I met you, man.